Welcome to another episode of the Head of Nations podcast. I'm your host, Brian, and across from me is your co-host, Ben. Ben, what's new in your nation this week? Hey, Brian. Yeah, this week has been more of the same, just trying to work on discipline with my kids, trying to teach them how to um, how to manage their anger and when things don't go uh, the way that they want to go, just trying to get them to to deal with it in a way that's you know, that's more productive. I'm trying my best here, but you know, I think my my patience is the is the thing that's really being tested and self control and all of those things. But um, the other thing has been the in- independence. Trying to teach my son that he is not independent yet, that he's not bigger yet, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's been uh, that's been what we've been working on um, in my household. But yeah, what about you? Ah, well, I appreciate you asking. So for me this week, I've been working really hard on achieving balance. So we were talking a little bit before we got on air here that I've got a lot of plates that I'm juggling in the air. So I feel like I think I'm hitting balance, but you know, my wife and my kids feel like maybe I'm not achieving balance correctly at home. So maybe I'm crushing it at work, you know, doing well with the podcast here, but also trying to invest more time. The website needs some work, things like that. Um, I've got a couple other side hustles that I do, plus mentorship with people, church responsibilities, things like that. And so I'm learning that I, I felt like I was achieving balance, but maybe I need to take a better look at mm. how I'm allotting my time mm. and making family time a little bit more exclusively family time. Mm. So that's what I'm working on this week, and I'm, I'm being active in it. So it's not just I'm trying to let it happen, but mm. I'm trying to be intentional in guarding that time with the family and making sure that family time is mm-hmm. actually family time mm-hmm, and not mm-hmm. family and business time or family and podcast time, but family time. Sure, sure. Yeah, I get that. It's a challenge, though. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think there's a there's a magic sauce that could you know <laughs> really mm-hmm. solve. It's just like you, know, you just got to figure that out. Yeah, and I think it's going to be it's one of those things that's ever changing. Yeah. So yeah, seasonal, when balance yeah. is achieved, oh then. Yeah the scales tilt and balance needs to be reachieved. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so hmm. I'll be working on that for a while. Yeah. All right, well, yeah. why don't we get into the verse of the week? So the verse of the week this week is in Proverbs, and it is Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. And Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 says, He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. So Ben, I wanted to give you a chance to reflect on that first to see if you had any thoughts on that passage. Yeah, I mean, like from from experience, I would say you know, half my my life was spent in, with the companion of fools, um, and you know, and it's the, the the fruit of this has just been you know pain um, that I've experienced. You know, like like thinking through high school and you know, and and thinking through. Um, you know where where I went and how far gone I really was, in, and far away from even becoming becoming a man. Period. But you know, then then also when I think about becoming a man of God, um, that didn't happen until until I started walking with people who were walking with God. Yeah, you know, it's like that. That is like it's just a picture of reality. You know what I mean? Like um, there's not much uh, there's not much arguing with it as much as you as you want to it's just like we know we knew and i knew i was in the, the the company of fools and i knew the damage it was doing and it was just like the fool just doesn't care about it you know mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. yeah and i i've seen somewhere i don't remember where i read the quote or maybe i heard it in one of the podcasts i listened to or an interview that i watched but 
the phrase was this, you are the sum of your five closest friends. Mm -hmm. And that really impacted me in thinking about that, the importance of who I surround myself with. Mm -hmm. So my son and I have this conversation where I'm very careful in choosing friends. You know, I have a lot of acquaintances, but the circle of friends that I have is relatively small. And I curate that, like I actively curate that. Mm -hmm. There are people where I keep that wall up a little bit because they are just not quite where I want them to be as far as being someone that's wise that I can walk with, that can mm -hmm. speak truth into my life. Mm -hmm. And maybe, you know, there are relationships that I have where I'm mentoring someone and they're coming to me to be that person that they walk with and hopefully grow wise. Mm -hmm. uh, not that I consider myself wise, but I've had more experience mm -hmm. in my life mm -hmm. so that maybe I can help them. But yeah, I've seen this in my life when in my younger days as well, I walked with maybe, I don't want to call them fools, but I walked with people that weren't walking wisely mm -hmm. and I walked unwisely sure. and the older I got, the more I, I kind of asked myself, where am I going? Where is this taking me? And that made me make a shift in the way I spent my time and with whom I spent my time. Yes. So yeah, this proverb is really instructive and there's a lot of wisdom packed in that small amount of words. I didn't count them out. I think it's somewhere like 18 words, but there's a lot of wisdom in that little phrase of, do you want to be wise? Well, stop walking with fools. And it seems so common sense, but it's oftentimes the common sense things that are very difficult for us to actually do. All right, well, let's move into the topic for today, which I think kind of falls well in line with the passage of the week. And the title for the topic this week is The Old Ways. And I had a mentor, I still have this mentor, and he was an MMA coach of mine and a good friend. And he says frequently, the old ways are the best ways. And he's talking specifically about martial arts, but I really think a lot of times this applies more broadly, which we'll get into. But I thought about titling this episode, Reject Modernity, because you know it's a common phrase, which is actually why I didn't choose it, but I felt like people would resonate with Reject Modernity, but it is just the buzz phrase. It's not a buzz word, but it's a buzz phrase right now where everybody's saying Reject Modernity, but... I feel like what captures it more is the old ways. So about a year ago, I was helping my son with math. I don't know if you've had this experience of helping a child with math. So my son was doing math and he was doing a problem that was new math. Have you seen the new math? I've only heard it and I'm not, I'm not thrilled about it. Yeah. I'm not I, excited. I have seen it oh, and I'm not thrilled about it. So this is going to be one of those rants like back in my day, you know, but back in my day. So you and I did math probably the same way. Like two plus two is four, mm -hmm. right? Eight plus eight is 16. Mm -hmm. And it was, you had to memorize and eventually, you know, you got to figuring in longer sums and you'd have to carry the one, carry the two, whatever. And yeah, yeah, you yeah. learned the basic principles of mathematics. Well, new math, when I was trying to help my son with this, there are these boxes. And as I try to explain this, you know, Albert Einstein said, if you can't explain it to a five-year-old, you don't understand it yourself. I'm going to fumble through this because I don't understand the new math. So I'm going to try to explain it to the listeners here. I just don't understand it. So there are these boxes and they want you to think kind of in 10. So like if you would add eight plus four, you wouldn't say 12. You would make a 10 so you have to already add to do that. You have to take two from the four 
and add it to the eight. Oh, I see. I and see. that two, so you split the four into two twos. Yeah. And then eight plus two is 10. And then you add the two to the 10 and you get 12. Seems, it just seems more complicated. Well, so you have extra steps. Yeah. But you know what's appealing about the new math? Tell me. I'll tell you, it's new. That's what's appealing about the new math, right? So anytime you go into a store, have you ever seen like new improved, right? Or yes. you see a restaurant and it says under new management. Yes. Yeah. Or the new 2023 Lexus, whatever oh, it is, right? Yes, yeah. Very appealing. Yes. Yeah. The, the new is appealing, right? Well, so I think the only thing that's good about the new math is the title new. And so to me, this is just one of the examples of people that rush to accept new things just simply because they're new. So we see a lot of fads. Like I, mm. I look at history, the pet rock. I don't know if you remember slap bracelets, pogs, silly bands. Yes. Right. They were all new things and people rushed to get them because yeah. they were new. But conversely, so I want to add a different story here that's the reverse of this. So my wife and I have been watching this show, and it's called Antiques Road Trip. Mm. It's not Antiques Road Show. It's no, Antiques it's Road Trip. And it's this British antique show, and they showcase old products and sometimes old buildings. Yes. And what I like about this is when you see the product or you see the building, it comes from an era of quality and an era of craftsmanship. So the products are typically very ornate, very finely made. Like if you see a chair... It's hand carved. Right. And it's not just right. hand carved, like lines that are hand carved in it, but you'll see designs, figures, people, like faces, animal faces, lions. So things like this where someone took the time and the investment of effort and labor, which is costly, and they invested it into this product, whether it's a chair, whether it's a desk or a box, you know, like a jewelry box. It was quality and it was beautiful. It was functionally beautiful. The hmm. buildings of that era, like of the 16th century, the 17th century, they would spend 40, 50, 60 years on a building, not just to make it functional, but to make it artistic and functional. Mm -hmm. And that was the old way. So like, I see this contrast, like the new is the Ikea model, right? So you buy a desk today, you buy a chair today. It's not ornate. Or if it is, it's not ornate in the same way. It hasn't been handcrafted. The wood is not quality wood. It's junk wood. Typically, you go to Ikea, it's mass produced. It's some kind of composite wood and it's slapped together. There's glue in all the joints. You have to use fasteners to put it together. And it's, it's not quality and it falls apart in five years. But you know what? It's new. Hmm. And people see that. They see it's new and they see that it's cheap. And that appeals to us. And I'm not immune to this either, by the way, but I just see this as the contrast in society where we have the new versus the old. And the new is typically lesser than the old in quality, in what you actually get out of it. So they don't make them like they used to. Yeah, that's why people say that, right? That's why it's a cliche, I think, is because it's somewhat true. So I don't know if you had any thoughts on this or not. Yeah, um, it's interesting you brought up architecture because I always think that like the new houses, you know, um, my dad would be known for this. You know, he'd, we'd drive past, I don't, I don't know if he'd even remember saying this, but we'd drive past new 
uh, new plans, housing plans, and be like, ah, you know, that's shoddy, you know. And, and I'm like, you know, I, I never really knew knew what went into them, but they, the fact that they could put them up in like, you know, five days, you see a new plan. It's like, oh, that's a, you know, <laughs> they must be, you know, they must be sacrificing on quality if they if they can go up that fast, you know. Um, made me think of I, I actually live in, I live in a craftsman style home in Pittsburgh, and it's uh, there, you see these homes throughout the city and uh, what made them a craft style home is they were built in the early 1900s but they they did they were they were unique you know they, they you can walk into a craftsman house and and their their structures you know they usually three bedroom house very modest but they have little things here and there that are just different that set them apart i have stained glass windows in my home you know they took time um and it was built in the 20s and it is with a hundred year old house now but over it's 103 years old um, which is a kind of a crazy thing but still up still standing and that thing you know i coal it and i heat it and it's i mean i don't lose air out of it i mean it's it's a very warm house it could be a very cool house in the summertime it's just an excellent quality house it's still up and that makes me think of castles you go yeah they're, they're still up you know and it's like so why is that it seems like it's it seems like the truth would be if it's a quality built then it it's difficult to get rid of. It's difficult to, you know, to go away. The, the, the quality built things last. And that's, I think that applies with, with if something is true, right? Mm-hmm. If it's built on a tr- a, something that is true, I think that that makes it a, you know, a quality item or a quality idea, a principle that just, that, that will not go away. And it's actually good to be built upon, you know? Absolutely. Um, which is interesting, but keep, yeah. Yeah, so let me, let me speaking of building upon, let me build upon your thought yeah, there. Yeah. So to me, this principle we see is indicative of a broader philosophical or psychological, maybe even spiritual problem today. So back in the day, Mark Twain wrote a novel. It was called, well, he wrote a lot of novels, but this particular novel was called A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. And there's a scene, when I read this, there's a scene from this that has stuck out to me for years. I get these things that I read or I hear and they stick with me. A lot of things I read, I hear, they're gone. But in this book, there was a scene. So the Connecticut Yankee, he goes to King Arthur's court and he travels back in time, essentially. And he becomes the advisor to the king. And every year, the king would have a ceremony where all of the ill, like the sick, the bedridden people in his kingdom, they would be gathered to one place and he would go to each individual and he would give them a gold piece, a gold coin. And that was basically their income for the year, but it was also kind of his way of showing that he cared about those who were marginalized. And it cost the kingdom dearly. If you think about the value of gold today, gold's almost 2000 an ounce today as we record today. And if you give one person one one-ounce gold coin, that's $2,000. So if you think in all the kingdom, all the ill, the sick, if he gave all of them a gold coin, that's potentially hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars in today's value. So Mark Twain writes about the engineer. And the engineer, the king's advisor, comes up with a brilliant plan. And his brilliant plan is, what if we mint new copper pennies? And if you know anything about copper's value versus gold, it's essentially valueless compared to gold, right? And he's like, it will be new and it will be shiny. And if we give them 
the old gold coin or the choice of here, I've got this nice, really shiny new penny and you can have this instead. The people will take the shiny new penny and will save millions potentially of dollars for the kingdom, which by the way, he got a cut of, the engineer got a cut of the savings. So wouldn't you know it, the king passes out the coins and originally he gives the people a choice like, hey, I've got this, but if you really, really want this other old gold coin, I guess I could give it to you, but here's this shiny new penny and everybody takes the shiny new penny, everyone. And when I thought about that, I think it's really a case of what's going on today. You have something of almost exponentially less value being given out and every single person chooses it because it's shiny and new. And I don't know if you've ever seen a shiny new penny. Have you ever seen one like a brand mm-hmm. new, like mm-hmm. maybe even a proof? Have you seen a proof coin? Like they shine them up, they, they actually polish them. Um, they're very yeah, beautiful. Yeah. They're very beautiful, but they're not gold. Mm. But they look nice and they're new and they're shiny, but they fade over time, just like all other new things fade over time. Mm. But to me, that was a travesty. But beyond the travesty of the people accepting the fraud is that the leadership is actually the one perpetrating the mm-hmm. fraud on the people. The leadership is saying, oh, wouldn't you like this shiny new penny instead of this very expensive gold coin? Look at it. It's it's really nice. It's really shiny. I'm sure you'd like it. So not only is the fraud occurring, but at the top levels of the leadership, the fraud is being brought to the people deceptively as a good thing. And I quite frankly even see that today as far as our society is going. So just want to get your thoughts on that story or that principle there. It's it's interesting because you are you know your the illustration is you know, there's there's a power behind it that is deceiving, and so I think of when I think of you know modernity and post modernity I you know I think of these these people who are either they themselves have been duped and they're duping others and they, you know this this the idea that truth when I'm talking about modernity or postmodernity, that truth can be found from within is kind of what I'm, and and that's going to lead people to, you know, to embrace a relativism that is damaging to them and to society as a whole. Is that yeah? Am I making sense? Yeah. So basically, the idea that my truth right. is truth, yeah, and your is, truth is truth, right? Which is even if they conflict, more. yes, right. Mm-hmm. Well, and that and that's kind of where I'm like, you know where these people are living this out and some even tasting the bitter fruit of this philosophy and I'm, but I'm thinking of it like okay who is who is tricking them you know what I mean is it the philosophers but the philosophers are just you know they're 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 presenting these ideas but these aren't there's nothing new under the sun you know these ideas they're born somewhere and if they lead to destructive ends then, I mean, then I could say it's you know I'm gonna I'm gonna credit probably ultimately the devil and the forces of darkness for, um y- you know for for inserting these in society and so it's like when I think of of that I think of I think of you know the king uh, representing you know something sinister and demonic um, and giving it then to people who are sick that would be you know, the human race and so and I think of like when I, when I think of those things or I think of it in that light. People living this unreal, this unrealistic, or having this unrealistic view of the world, that's going to lead to frustration. I think it's going to lead to you know, but that 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 would be you know this like this this faulty 
uh, origin or this, you know, this, this, this authority of truth that's actually a lie, living a lie, that's going to lead to, you know, terrible ends. And so we'll follow in our society people who have this faulty philosophy, and we might see their, their lives falling apart, yet we're still, you know, prone to follow them because it sounds new and sounds good. And it looks good, maybe, because they have a lot of followers on YouTube or something like that. Um, but really what we're getting is, you know, we're getting idiots leading idiots. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's leading to more disastrous ends for the idiots who follow the idiots, you know? Sorry if that was... No, that, did that I, make I agree. sense? Yeah, I would agree specifically, I think, on the agency of who is deluding the people, yeah, right? Well, that, yeah, yeah, That all truth is God's truth, mm-hmm. right? God, Jesus said specifically, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And Satan is called the father of lies mm-hmm. in the Bible. So he is the source of delusion. And if people are being deluded, it comes ultimately through his agency, which I think is an important thing to recognize that a lot of times we as Christians tend to go to one or of two extremes where we deny Satan's agency, or oftentimes we make him far more powerful. Like he is subject to mm-hmm. God ultimately. Mm-hmm. If you look at Job, the, the book of Job, Satan comes to God and nothing comes to Job but through God's hand mm-hmm. first, right? So I think we go to both extremes differently in the church. But I would say a good balance would be that, yeah, all evil comes through Satan's agency and delusion is evil and lies are evil. So that comes through Satan's agency. But ultimately, God is sovereign even over that. But to keep going on this, because I like where you're going with this, I want us to look at some ways in which this is happening in society today, this trying to embrace modernity instead of the old ways, which ultimately... I would say nothing is older than eternity and God's truth is eternal, right? So that would be the ultimate old way. But mm. some ways in which this happens. So today in society, relationships. I look at the broken model of relationships in society today, like the new, if you look at just like dating relationships, hookup culture, mm-hmm. right? Versus the old way is you date for a long-term relationship and marriage. That's the ultimate goal of dating. That's the old way. If you think back to the 1800s, people talked about courtship or mm-hmm, courting, mm-hmm. and it was seeing someone of the opposite sex for the intention of marriage. Today, hookup culture is you see someone for a physical relationship with no intention of marriage and no emotional relationship. Yeah, and courtship, it, didn't it involve families too, yes, right? Yes. I mean, so, yeah, it was typically so, chaperoned. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, right. typically one father or the other, depending upon where the courtship was occurring, would be involved. Like it would be in like the family room of a house or some chaperone would go with the mm-hmm, couple to mm-hmm. make sure that they were not engaging in physical activity and sexual right. activity before they were married. It, because it was to protect the sanctity mm-hmm. of that physical relationship under the umbrella of marriage, mm-hmm. which is God's plan. So the old way is marriage. The new way, the shiny new thing Mm. is hookup culture. And the the lie is that there are no consequences with this, that you can just engage in whatever you want to physically outside of a marital relationship with no consequences, no spiritual consequences, no emotional consequences, no physical consequences. And that's a lie, but it's the shiny new thing that society is telling people. Or 
as far as like traditional genders versus whatever society is pitching today. The old way is there is male and there is female. That's what that's how God has made them. That's what Genesis says. Mm-hmm. Male and female, he made them, right? Well, today, I try to be marginally informed, not thoroughly informed on this issue because I don't think my mind can handle it. I just, my blood pressure maybe can't handle it. But today, like, there's not even confusion about gender roles. There's confusion around gender. And there are so many options that people are told they can identify it as without any consequences mentally, like if you look at mental illness or emotionally, behaviorally, physically, society says, this is the shiny new thing, do this. But it doesn't tell you the consequences. Just like in the Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's court, what were the consequences for the penny? Well, you don't have the value of gold. So how do you pay your bills for the year, right? Well, what are the consequences for some of these things? Well, we see them worked out in people's lives in broken relationships or in emotional problems or mental health problems or financial problems, physical abuse, pro- like all kinds of problems. So relationships, genders, and then like gender roles, the old way was complementary, not in com- complementing, but complementing that gender roles supported one another. There were roles where the woman had the advantage like in nurturing, for example, and there are roles where the man had the advantage, like in working outside the home. If you look traditionally, like the mm. old ways, which functioned for millennia, mm. but the new, shiny new thing is to compete. It's not to say, I, I've been made in the image of God, and I've been made specifically the way that God wants me to be made. It's people saying there is no God. Essentially, I'm a God to myself. I determine how and who I should be and what roles I should fulfill. So there's almost like competition between genders or, yeah, between genders, there are only two. So I don't know what you think about that, but in relationships specifically, that's how I see this playing out as old versus new. And I would like to say the old ways are the best ways. Yeah, I agree. Um, But I think, you know, I think the competition probably originated in Eden whenever we had the fracture relationship between Adam and Eve, um, chapter three. But I feel that a huge problem with all of this as we're talking is kind of like the, I don't know what you want to call it, but kind of like the deconstruction, deconstructionism, uh, I think is, is probably hurting. But and the way that I'm, I'm thinking about it right now is like deconstructing language and words so that you can't even, I can't even have a conversation with somebody about what truth is right and wrong, even what gender is, Brian, like that's not even a settled uh, a, there, there's not even a settled definition for that in, in popular conversation. When we say gender, we think we're thinking of maybe several different things um, when I'm talking to any given person. And so it's like they're, they're, we're pulling the thread of you know of the out of out of what made language as something that could actually represent objective truth in reality. Uh, so that language and words are just they're just social constructs and, and can change. At whim, we can change them to, to fit whatever reality that we're living in currently, you know, which is not the objective one, it's the subjective reality. So it's it's getting difficult to talk about these things um, when we're not settled on, you know, on objective reality and truth. Um, when, when logic is something that's 
<laughs> that's that's become a Western construct, you know, and so we can't even like reason together. And it's just like this is that's not great, you know, <laughs> for society. Yeah, I would say that's an understatement. <laughs> I was as you were talking about that, I was thinking there was a hearing recently where one of our governing officials specifically was asked to define woman. Mm. And this wasn't just like a cherry-picked thing. It had to do with his responsibilities. And you can check out the article if you'd like, uh, if you want to Google it or search it. He twice was asked point blank to define woman since that was under his purview of what he was supposed to do was dealing with women's rights. And he could not, or at least he could, but refused to, said he could not define woman. And so how do you have a conversation about women with someone who can't say what a woman is. Like that's a fundamental problem in today's culture where we're talking about rejecting modernity. Well, modernity saying like, I can't define woman. Well, how do you have a conversation about women if you can't define a woman? And even I would assume his role had something to do with protecting yeah. women. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I mean, how can we care and protect for women if we don't know what a woman is? Exactly. Well, that's not great, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is all this is just all very not good. Yeah. yeah. It's it's absurd, <laughs> but it just shows the level of the spirit of delusion that's mm-hmm. over the country right now and quite frankly the world where they know I think fundamentally I think they know that they're lying. They know what a woman is, but they're afraid it's fear of man. They're afraid to define a woman because then they'll get canceled. And if they get canceled, they'll lose their position and they'll lose all of the clout that they have. But that's just a side rant. But mm. I want to come back to some other things that I think the society is accepting as the new way, modernity, as opposed to the old way, would be in values. So some examples I had thought of was my truth, which we covered, this relativism of my truth is truth. Your truth is fine for you. My truth is fine for me. Well, what if my truth is that your truth is incorrect 100% of the time can't, and my you, truth is correct 100% of the time? Yeah, I'm, I'm offended that you said that right now, Brian. I'm just... But my truth is that you can't be offended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, the absurdity of relativism. But anyway, yeah, my truth, my morality, or me first, mm. versus the old way was much more communal, not in the sense of communism, don't hear that, but in the sense mm-hmm. of not just what's best for me, but what's best for the community or for the family, right? And the old way was there is objective truth because it comes from God. And also the old values as far as morality were Christian values. If you look at the foundation of this nation, the nation was built on Christian morality. And a lot of our laws come from Christian morality. Mm-hmm. You can't have... If we accept the shiny new, we can't even have things like don't steal. Well, who says that what I'm doing is stealing? Who says it's wrong? Who says that's your property? I define it as mine. Are, are we having squatter problems in our country? We, we are. Is, is, that a, yes. is that a thing that's happening? But that's not. That's. A side. I think that's a, <laughs> a, a side consequence of being afraid to enforce the law lest we offend individuals. But that, I, I think that would be a good topic for another day because I, I've got a couple fiery rants on that. <laughs> but I think of when you're thinking, when you're talking about this stuff. I mean, like um, talking about our, our, you know, our government and the, the values that we had. The, you know, uh, when the founders made this place and they made it a, in, into a great place because of you know those commitments to truth. But I think of human rights as well. Like, you know, human rights and, ju- and social justice. These are our big things. You know, but where does human rights come from? It comes mm-hmm. from. Christian doctrines, real mm-hmm. Christian doctrines. <laughs> yeah. So it's like mm-hmm. there's no human rights movements unless, except for 
the foundation, right? Which would be, and you want to pull out, you want to start pulling that thread or crumbling that foundation. I mean, everything is going to crumble and that's, and nobody wants human rights to go away, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, we're all made in the image of God. That's yeah. the source of human yeah. rights. Jeez. Yeah. Please. One last thing I wanted to point out here as far as the values of our culture, the old way used to be to protect children. Like if, if you look at the things that children were able to be exposed to, they were shielded from obscenity, mm -hmm. from sexuality. And if you look at the new way, modernity is, I don't know if you've seen the articles or the stories about drag queen story hour mm -hmm. where they're encouraging yes. people to bring toddlers yes. to fully grown men dressed up as women to yeah. read them library books or even to like adult entertainment clubs. They're yeah. encouraging children to be brought with and by their parents to view sexually explicit contents the height it, of degeneracy it like is it's, it is yeah and but the old way is protect children mm. i would say the new value of, of modernity is to exploit them which it, it's infuriating for me like mm -hmm. this conversation right now is making my blood pressure go through the roof just that this is even a part of our society and mm. i never thought i'd live to see the day mm -hmm. where anything like this would happen but it's because people have rejected the old ways mm. and part of the old ways it was to protect children right because children represent innocence they are innocent and yeah. they're being corrupted today by society so let me move on before I really raise my blood pressure here talking about this. But I do want to make a caveat here, a statement that I'm not saying that all new things are bad. That's not what I'm trying to say here. I'm not, I'm not trying to encourage us all to be Amish. I, I do recognize that some new inventions and new technologies have value in them. But I also think it's important to recognize that there are trade-offs even with that. Like the internet is a great thing. The reason we can have this podcast and the reason we can reach people that are men that are looking for other manly, godly men to maybe connect with or to hear from, the reason we can do this is the internet. But if you look at the internet, most content on the internet is bad content. I can't just give an iPad to my son and be like, here, mm -hmm. all filters off, you just type whatever you want in because I know what will happen. I, mm -hmm. I have to restrict it, yeah. right? Because there's a lot of bad content out there on the internet. Cars are great. But if you look at there, there's still some trade-off with cars. Like if you look at back in the 40s and 50s, communities existed. You knew most people in your community. You went to similar grocery store, the same grocery store. You went to church in town. You knew most people in town. But with the advent of the car, we can shop half an hour, 45 minutes away. We can go to church half an hour, 45 minutes away. We can go to the park half an hour, 45 minutes away. And we don't even know who our neighbors are anymore. Mm. So we've lost that aspect of community. So I'm not saying modern inventions are bad. I like my car, right? Like, I think the internet is great. I like that we can fly to places for vacation or whatever. But what I am saying is, even with that, there are trade-offs. I don't know if you had any thoughts on that. Mm. I mean, um, I just, I, I can't get over, I think, the, <laughs> I'm still like recovering from that. <laughs> like you, the the whole like children's exploitation thing, but it's um, infuriating. It's, it is. It makes me livid. It's it, it's the. It reminds me of the the quotes the the, the witches uh, the third witch in Macbeth's uh, or in uh, Shakespeare's Macbeth where fair is foul and foul is fair. You know, mm -hmm. um, and it makes me think of like you know what happened in that story. You know, everybody dies. And yeah, it's like oh jeez. Like when that happens, it's just like ah. Oh, you know what? Like you're talking about trade-off and I'm just like, 
yeah, I, I know new things are, they, they can be, you know, they can be good, but you said the thing about the car and I'm like, you know what? But now cars are driving themselves. And I'm like, I hate that. <laughs> Don't take yeah. control of me. I'm, I've seen iRobot. <laughs> I know what happens. <laughs> and then, you know, then my students are, mm. are they're Snapchatting an AI bot and the, the AI bot's talking to them about, you know, you know, Hey, you're, you know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a Christian, but I think your faith is beautiful. And I'm just like, man, that, bot doesn't know anything about beauty what does it know <laughs> well and what's yeah what's concerning about that and that's ai is the next new oh, shiny thing i know what's concerning to me is that ai is programmed by someone and someone yeah. that doesn't share our values right. and it's reaching potentially billions of people it's irobot right there mm-hmm. it's like yeah. who how, how can we trust these things mm-hmm. now oh, great now it knows you're a christian well mm-hmm. who's behind that thing <laughs> yeah and what's it going to start saying to you and this might sound conspiratorial but i mean I just, just interact no i i've i've actually seen screenshots of interaction with ai about moral issues oh, wow. and, and it's it, it's kind of concerning Ugh. yeah so yeah moral relativism on steroids but anyway I would say we should be wary. Mm. Not that we shouldn't, I'm not going the whole like 70 years ago that people said TV was the devil and that TV was evil. But honestly, if you look at a lot of the new things, they're often used for evil Mm. because they're used by people who are fallen. And I think that's the key there. Like AI, the new shiny thing, how we use it is the way that's gonna be important. How do we use the internet? How do we use a TV? How do we use our cell phones? I think that's important. Do we use it for the glory of God? Yeah. Or do we use it in our fallen nature? But I would say the old ways are the best ways. You want to read a book? Read a hard copy book. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. I, I mean, I think that the word that we're kind of like, that we're kind of talking about here is like, yeah, it's not, it's not like, oh, just, you know, get rid of all the new things. It's, it's being just prudent. Exactly. It's, you know, it's, it's wisdom. It's, it's, yeah. It's a, like, cautious you know mm-hmm. is you know and, and i've got a word for you get, circumspect Ooh, that's good wow uh, thesaurus today we, we i gotta, guess i'm on <laughs> on all cylinders firing but, yeah, on all but cylinders. that's that's it we're not i mean and i think that's prudence uh when, when i think of like you know of teaching that to our kids it's not teaching them fear i don't mm-hmm. think it's it's not making them afraid but it's make it is making making them into into thinkers wise people who are mm-hmm. going to you know, try to make a good decision, um, a decision based on what is objectively good, you know? Mm, Yes. Uh, Yeah. On Um, on God's definition of good. Right, right, right. And I think it comes back to our verse of the day of, well, how Mm. do you make those wise decisions? Mm. You walk with the wise. Mm. Now, I think the really difficult part is, how do you know who is wise? Because we talked about a a few episodes ago, posers are out there. There are posers out there that they sound wise, but they're telling lies, right? So that's where I think actually literally it's important to pray for discernment. Mm. It's important to pray for God to give you wisdom to even see who is wise. But yeah, yeah, we have the ability to make those wise decisions because we walk with the wise and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. Which brings me to my my next point here, which is truth doesn't change. Mm. That's why the old ways are the best ways. Yeah. Because truth doesn't change. So if we're looking at morality, like what moral decision should I make? Don't make the new moral decision. Hmm. It's going to be wrong. The new moral decision is going to be wrong because morality, biblical morality has been around since we've had the Bible. Yeah. It's been around since before, like Moses. 4,000 yeah. 4, years. Yeah. yeah. Abraham followed the law before yeah. the law was written down because God had revealed the law to him, right? So God's morality has been around since God has made man. The old ways are the best way. Truth doesn't change, right? So all truth is God's truth. And that should be our benchmark. 
that should be our measuring stick or our cannon. Yeah. Oh, that cannon. I like that. I like that better. But like, I think, I think it doesn't take too long to Brian, like to see the end, to come to the end of the new morality. Like it doesn't take long to mm-hmm. see that it, man, it's hollow. It doesn't, it doesn't give you what you think it gives you. It mm-hmm. actually gives you like the opposite. Like just, I mean, watch people who are living based on, you know, based on the postmodern philosophy. Watch, I mean, watch how they live it, because they, you know, you know, they record themselves on social media. Mm-hmm. So you can see, if you, you have a front row seat to see where this ends and it leads not to human flourishing. Mm-hmm. It leads to more oppression and hurt and pain for them, for those around them. Because, well, I say them first because it's their, well, they're the center of their universe, so they're the matter. You know, why did I get in a relationship? Because of, because of me. <laughs> it's like okay, well, um, but the the idea that this has been around. Why has it? Why do the castles still exist? Why are they still there? Why is Stonehenge still there? I mean, because it. I mean, it's strong and enduring. Truth is strong and enduring. For and people pick it back up because it is actually good for them and has done them good. If only we'd pick it up and read. Yeah. Austin. Oh, good, yeah. good quote. Yeah. And I think what we're talking about is the foundation upon which those mm-hmm. buildings are built. They're mm-hmm. built on a solid foundation. Mm-hmm. Just like if you build on the truth, that is a solid foundation. Yeah. And I want to just hit on what you said there very quickly. Just because we don't immediately see the results of the lifestyle that people are living mm-hmm. doesn't mean that those results aren't coming down the line mm-hmm. for good or for bad. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these influencers that we see that are preaching these things, we see their end 10 years later, five years later, where maybe they're in rehab for drug mm-hmm. addiction mm-hmm. or you know they're, they're having mental health problems or they're having depression problems or anxiety problems or they're having relational problems. And you can actually see the physical toll sometimes mm. that this takes on people's yeah. bodies, like just their demeanor, their posture, their, their facial expression, yeah. their actual, their visage yeah. changes over yeah. time. It's not immediately apparent. So this is something that I think is really important. Just like uh, it's not immediately apparent if you're overeating, but if you overeat for a year, it'll be apparent. It's not immediately apparent on the good side. If you're lifting regularly, it'll be apparent in a year. Just the same thing with these. Are you following the new shiny thing? The consequences of that are probably not going to be immediately apparent. You might be like, oh, I'm, I'm living and loving. Everything's great. Mm. It'll be apparent in a year, for in now, two years, right. in three years. Yeah. Similarly, are you following the truth? Have you submitted yourself to the rule of Christ. Is he your Lord? Well, if he is, you will actually live a spiritual change. You'll see, you'll feel the spiritual change. Like when I look back at my life, who I was 20 years ago, I don't recognize that person. Do I recognize the change day by day? I don't. If I look at two decades of change, I sure do. It's not immediately apparent, but it's apparent over time. Mm. Right, and that's through the grace of God and, the, and through God's work in my life. But truth doesn't change, mm. so the old ways are the best ways. So I want to close with this quote here by Thomas Jefferson. He said, In matters of style, swim with the current. In matters of principle, stand like a rock. Mm. And I really think that is very well summed up. Leave it to someone like Thomas Jefferson, one of the founders and great thinkers of history, quite frankly, but also of his time to say something that sums it up like that. Hmm. I don't know if you had any closing thoughts as well. Yeah, mine would be 
when we think about um, you know the old and and, and trying to to, uh, to resurrect it a bit, um, reading old books, not not modern ones. I think that um, that's going to go a long way in in making us in making us better men. I think, but modern books they tend to and I even think of like the modern like Christian literature a little bit fluffy, right? So they'll, they'll emphasize grace, which is great. That's a, that's a biblical doctrine. These are good Christian people who are writing good books in that way, yet they, they don't, they neglect the other side of it, right? The, the severity of God, the seriousness of sin, the weight of it. Um, and so I think that's like, that can do, that could do some damage to people out there who are reading these books. So I, I would say like the old ways, the old thinkers, I think they, they, being not influenced by modernity and post-modernity and consumerism and all of these other things, they were concerned with what's truth, and they were concerned with eternity, bedrock truth. And so it's like, I would say, read old books, you know, authors like, you know, like we've probably referenced Augustine, we've probably referenced, uh, and C.S. Lewis was in love with, you know, I mm-hmm. love reading C.S. Lewis, but he's in love with, uh, with, with old thinkers, you know, and mm-hmm. so I'm thinking, you know, Anselm, you know, read some old, old books, um, G.K. Chesterton, oh my gosh, um, because they don't forget about, like, the root of all existence. They don't forget about the root of man, the origins of man. They don't forget about what's in man, the fall of man. They, they have a clear picture of reality, and I think that they can remind us of things which will, well, which will, I think, benefit us, um, especially as we, as we build our kingdoms, yeah. That's a very solid point, and I'll, I'll second the G.K. Chesterton for mm-hmm. sure. Very brilliant thinker mm-hmm. and very sound thinker, a mm-hmm. very godly man. So, I, yeah. I just got a new book on parenting. Chesterton's, it's like it was a book that was put together on G.K. Chesterton's, all of his parent writings on parenting. So I'm like, I'm super excited. Uh-huh. This summer I'll be reading it. So. Okay, let me know what you think. I, I might pick that up <laughs> yeah. after you're done. All right, well, thanks for the thoughts, Ben. They were very insightful. Well, that's what we have for you today. So just want to encourage you, the old ways are the best ways, and to build your life on the foundation of the truth of Jesus Christ. So thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. And if you are liking this podcast, feel free to subscribe, to share the podcast with other people that you think might like it. Also, leave a review. And if you have questions or comments, send those to us at info at headofnations.com. You can check out our website. It is headofnations.com. As I said earlier in the show, I'm working on it. I recognize it's not great right now. Um, So I'm learning a lot about website building, but feel free to check out our website. If you'd like to support, go to the website and click the support tab. And just want to encourage you all with this comment that we are the head of our nations. So let's go live like it. Until next time.